Chapter Nine, Part One of the Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni, Chapter Nine, Part One. The striking of the boat against the shore aroused Lucia, who, after secretly drying her tears, raised her head as if she were just awakening. Renzo jumped out first and gave his hand successively to Agnese and Lucia, and then they all turned and sorrowfully thanked the boatman. "'Nothing, nothing. We are placed here to help one another,' answered he, and he withdrew his hand, almost with a movement of horror, as if it had been proposed to him to rob, when Renzo tried to slip in one or two of the coins he had about him, and which he had brought in his pocket with the intention of generously requiting Don Abondio when he should, though against his will, have rendered the desired assistance.' the cart stood waiting for them the driver saluted the three expected travellers and bid them get in and then with his voice and a stroke of the whip he started the animal and set forward our author does not describe this nocturnal journey and is silent as to the name of the town to which the little company were directing their steps or rather he expressly says he will not give the name in the course of the story the reason of all this mystery appears the adventures of Lucia in this abode involve a dark intrigue of a person belonging to a family still powerful, as it appears, at the time our author wrote. To account for the strange conduct of this person in the particular instance he relates, he has been obliged chiefly to recount her early life, and there the family makes the figure which our readers will see. Hence the poor man's great circumspection and yet how people sometimes forget themselves he himself without being aware of it has opened a way of discovering with certainty what he had taken such great pains to keep concealed in one part of the account which we will omit as not being necessary to the integrity of the story he happens to say that this place was an ancient and noble borough which wanted nothing but the name to be a city he then inadvertently mentions that the river lambro runs through it and again that it was the seat of an arch presbyter with these indications there is not in all europe a moderately learned man who will not instantly exclaim monza we could also propose some very well-founded conjectures in the name of the family but although the object of our conjectures has been some time extinct we consider it better to be silent on this head not to run the risk of wrongdoing even the dead and to leave some subject of research for the learned our travellers reached monza shortly after sunrise the driver turned into an inn and as if at home in the place and well acquainted with the landlord ordered a room for the newly arrived guests and accompanied them thither after many acknowledgments renzo tried to induce him to receive some reward but he like the boatman had in view another more distant but more abundant recompense he put his hands behind him and making his escape went to look after his horse after such a night as we have described and as every one may imagine the greatest part spent in mournful thoughts 
with the constant dread of some unforeseen misfortune in the melancholy silence of night in the sharpness of a more than autumnal air and amid the frequent jolts of the incommodious vehicle which rudely shook the weary frames of our travellers they soon felt themselves overpowered with sleep and availed themselves of a sofa that stood in an adjoining room to take a little repose they then partook together of a frugal meal such as the poverty of the times would allow and scanty in proportion to the contingent wants of an uncertain future and their own slender appetite one after another they remembered the banquet which two days before they had hoped to enjoy and each in turn heaved a deep sigh renzo would gladly have stayed there at least for that day to have seen the two women provided for and to have given them his services but the father had recommended them to send him on his way as quickly as possible they alleged therefore these orders and a hundred other reasons people would gossip the longer the separation was delayed the more painful it would be he could come again soon to give and learn news so that at last the youth determined to go their plans were then more definitely arranged lucia did not attempt to hide her tears renzo could scarcely restrain his and warmly pressing agnese's hand he said in an almost choked voice farewell till we meet again and set off the women would have found themselves much at a loss had it not been for the good driver who had orders to give them to the convent and to give them any direction and assistance they might stand in need of with this escort then they took their way to the convent which as every one knows was a short distance outside the town of monza arrived at the door their conductor rang the bell and asked for the guardian who quickly made his appearance and received the letter oh brother cristoforo said he recognizing the handwriting the tone of his voice and the expression of his face evidently indicating that he uttered the name of an intimate friend it might easily be seen too that our good friar had in this letter warmly recommended the women and related their case with much feeling for the guardian kept making gestures of surprise and indignation and raising his eyes from the paper he would fix them upon the women with a certain expression of pity and interest when he finished reading it he stood for a while thoughtful and then said to himself there's no one but the signora if the signora would take upon herself this charge he then drew agnese a few steps aside in the little square before the convent asked her a few questions which she answered satisfactorily and then turning towards lucia addressed them both my good women i will try and i hope i shall be able to find you a retreat more than secure more than honourable until it shall please god to provide for you in some better way will you come with me the women reverently bowed assent and the friar continued come with me to the convent of the signora keep however a few steps behind me because people delight to speak evil and no one knows what fine stories they would make out if they were to see the father guardian walking with a beautiful young girl with women i mean to say so saying he moved forward lucia blushed their guide smiled and glanced at agnese who betrayed also a momentary smile and when the friar had gone a few steps they followed him at about ten yards distance the women then asked 
their guide what they did not dare say to the father guardian who was the signora the signora replied he is a nun but she is not like the other nuns not that she is either the abbess or the prioress for from what they say she is one of the youngest there but she is from adam's rib and she is of an ancient and high family in spain where some of them now are princes and therefore they call her the signora to show that she is a great lady and all the country call her by this name for they say there never was her equal in this monastery before and even now down at milan her family ranks very high and is held in great esteem and in monza still more so because her father though he does not live here is the first man in the country so that she can do what she pleases in the convent and all the country people bear her a great respect and if she undertakes a business she is sure to succeed in it so that if this good monk before us is fortunate enough to get you into her hands and she takes you under her protection i dare venture to say you will be as safe as at the altar on reaching the gate of the town flanked at that time by an ancient ruined tower and a fragment of a demolished castle which perhaps some few of my readers may still remember to have seen standing the guardian stopped and looked behind to see if they were following he then passed through and went on to the convent and when he reached it stopped again at the doorway and waited for the little party he then begged the guide to come again to the convent to take back a reply he promised to do so and took his leave of the women who loaded him with thanks and messages to father cristoforo the guardian bidding them go into the first court of the monastery ushered them into the apartments of the portress to whom he recommended them and went forward alone to make his request after a few moments he returned and with a joyful manner told them to come with him and his reappearance was just apropos for they were beginning to find it difficult to ward off the pressing interrogations of the portress while traversing the inner court the father instructed the women how they must behave to the signora she is well disposed towards you said he and may be of much service to you be humble and respectful reply with frankness to the questions she may please to put and when you are not questioned leave it to me they then passed through a lower room to the parlor of the convent and before entering the guardian pointing to the door said to the women in an undertone she is there as if to remind them of the lessons he had been giving lucia who had never before seen a monastery looked round the room on entering for the signora to whom she was to make obeisance and perceiving no one she stood perplexed but seeing the father advance and agnese following she looked in that direction and observed an almost square aperture like a half window grated with two large thick iron bars distant from each other about a span and behind this a nun was standing her countenance which showed her to be about twenty-five years old gave the impression at a first glance of beauty but of beauty worn faded and one might almost say spoiled a black veil stiffened and stretched quite flat upon her head 
fell on each side and stood out a little way from her face under the veil a very white linen band half covered a forehead of different but not inferior whiteness a second band and folds down each side of the face crossed under the chin encircled the neck and was spread a little over the breast to conceal the opening of a black dress but this forehead was wrinkled every now and then as if by some painful emotion accompanied by the rapid movement of two jet-black eyebrows sometimes she would fix two very dark eyes on another's face with a piercing look of haughty investigation and then again would hastily lower them as if seeking a hiding-place one moment an attentive observer would imagine they were soliciting affection intercourse pity at another he would gather thence a momentary revelation of ancient and smothered hatred of some indescribable fierce disposition and when they remained immovably fixed without attention some might have imagined a proud indifference while others would have suspected the laboring of some secret thought the overpowering dominion of an idea familiar to her mind and more engrossing than surrounding objects her pale cheeks were delicately formed but much altered and shrunk by a gradual extenuation her lips though scarcely suffused with a faint tinge of the rose stood out in contrast with this paleness and like her eyes their movements were sudden quick and full of expression and mystery the well-formed tallness of her figure disappeared in the habitual stoop of her carriage or was disfigured by a certain quick and irregular starts which betrayed too resolute an air for a woman still more for a nun in her very dress there was a display of either particularity or negligence which betokened a nun of singular character her head-dress was arranged with a kind of worldly carefulness and from under the band around her head the end of a curl of glossy black hair appeared upon her temple betraying either forgetfulness or contempt of the rule which required them always to keep the hair closely shaven it was cut off first at the solemn ceremony of their admission these things made no impression on the minds of the two women inexperienced in distinguishing nun from nun and the father guardian had so frequently seen the signora before that he was already accustomed like many others to the singularities in manner and dress which she displayed she was standing as we have said near the grated window languidly leaning on it with one hand twinning her delicately white fingers in the interstices and with her head slightly bent downwards surveying the advancing party reverend mother and most illustrious signora said the guardian bowing his head and laying his right hand upon his breast this is the poor young girl to whom you have encouraged me to hope you will extend your valuable protection and this is her mother agnese and lucia reverently curtsied the signora beckoning to them with her hand that she was satisfied said turning to the father it is fortunate for me that i have in my power to serve our good friends the capuchin fathers in any matter but continued she will you tell me a little more particularly the case of this young girl so that i may know better what i ought to do for her lucia blushed and held down her head you must know reverend mother began agnese but the guardian silenced her with a glance and replied 
this young girl most illustrious lady has been recommended to me as i told you by a brother friar she has been compelled secretly to leave her country to avoid great dangers and wants in asylum for some time where she may live retired and where no one will dare molest her even when what dangers interrupted the signora be good enough father not to tell me the case so enigmatically you know that we nuns like to hear stories minutely they are dangers replied the guardian which scarcely ought to be mentioned ever so delicately in the pure ears of the reverend mother oh certainly replied the signora hastily and slightly colouring was it modesty one who would have observed the momentary expression of vexation which accompanied this blush might have entertained some doubt of it especially if he had compared it with that which diffused itself from time to time on the cheeks of lucia it is enough resumed the guardian that a powerful nobleman not all of the great people of the world use the gifts of god to his glory and for the good of their neighbours as you illustrious ladyship has done a powerful cavalier often having for some time persecuted this poor girl with base flatteries seeing that they were useless had the heart openly to persecute her by force so that the poor thing has been obliged to fly from her home come near young girl said the signora to lucia beckoning to her with her hand i know that the father guardian is truth itself but no one can be better informed in this business than yourself it rests with you to say whether this cavalier was an odious persecutor as to approaching lucia instantly obeyed but to answer was another matter an inquiry on this subject even when proposed by an equal would have put her into confusion but made by the signora and with a certain air of malicious doubt it deprived her of courage to reply signora mother reverend stammered she but she seemed to have nothing more to say agnese therefore as being certainly the best informed after her here thought herself authorized to come to her succour most illustrious signora said she i can bear full testimony that my daughter hated this cavalier as the devil hates holy water i should say he is the devil himself but you will excuse me if i speak improperly for we are poor folk as god made us the case is this that my poor girl was betrothed to a youth in her own station a steady man and one who fears god and if the signor curato had been what he ought to be i know i am speaking of a religious man but father cristoforo a friend here of the father guardian is a religious man as well as he and that's the man that's full of kindness and if he were here he could attest you're very ready to speak without being spoken to interrupted the signora with a haughty and angry look which made her seem almost hideous hold your tongue i know well enough that parents are always ready with an answer in the name of their children agnese drew back mortified giving lucia a look which meant to say see what i get by your not knowing how to speak the guardian then signified to her with a glance and a movement of his head that now was the moment to arouse her courage and not to leave her poor mother in such a plight reverend lady said lucia what my mother has told you is exactly the truth the youth who paid his addresses to me and here she coloured crimson i chose with my own good will forgive me if i speak too boldly but it is that you may not think ill of my mother 
as to this signor god forgive him i would rather die than fall into his hands and if you do us the kindness to put us in safety since we are reduced to the necessity of asking a place of refuge and of inconveniencing worthy people but god's will be done be assured lady that no one will pray for you more earnestly and heartily than we poor women i believe you said the signora in a softened tone but i should like to talk to you alone not that i require further information or any other motives to attend to the wishes of the father guardian added she hastily and turning towards him with studied politeness indeed continued she i have already thought about it and this is the best plan i can think of for the present the portress of the convent has a few days ago settled her last daughter in the world these women can occupy the room she has left at liberty and supply her place in the trifling services she performed in the monastery in truth and here she beckoned to the guardian to approach the grated window and continued in an under voice in truth on account of the scarcity of the times it was not intended to substitute any one in the place of that young woman but i will speak to the lady abbess and at a word from me at the request of the father guardian in short i give the place as a settled thing the guardian began to return thanks but the signora interrupted him there is no need of ceremony in a case of necessity i should not hesitate to apply for the assistance of the capuchin fathers in fact continued she with a smile in which appeared an indescribable air of mockery and bitterness in fact are we not brothers and sisters so saying she called the lay sister two of whom were by a singular distinction assigned to her private service and desired her to inform the abbess of the circumstance then sending for the portress to the door of the cloister she concerted with her and agnese the necessary arrangements dismissing her she bade farewell to the guardian and detained lucia the guardian accompanied agnese to the door giving her new instructions by the way and went to write his letter of report to his friend cristoforo an extraordinary character that signora thought he as he walked home very curious but one who knows the right way to go to work can make her do whatever he pleases my good friend cristoforo certainly does not expect that i can serve him so quickly and so well that noble fellow there's no help for it he must always have something in hand but he is doing good it is well for him this time that he has found a friend who has brought the affair to a good conclusion in a twinkling without so much noise so much preparation so much ado this good cristoforo will surely be satisfied and see that even we here are good for something the signora who in the presence of a capuchin of advanced age had studied her actions and words now when left tete-a-tete -tete with an inexperienced country girl no longer attempted to restrain herself and her conversation became by degrees so strange that instead of relating it we think it better briefly to narrate the previous history of this unhappy person so much that is as will suffice to account for the unusual and mysterious conduct we have witnessed in her and to explain the motives of her behavior in the facts which we shall be obliged to relate. End of chapter 9, part 1